Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wolf. Welcome to episode number 99 of Unformidable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded Mets in our beloved franchise's quirky history, because to us, every player who dons the orange and blue is in some way unformidable. Well, it's been a dark postseason for Met fans in 2022. I guess things could have been a little worse. There could have been further Yankee advancement or Brave advancement, but... Not exactly how we all drew it up, I actually went into this postseason not thinking I'd be rooting against teams, thinking I'd be rooting for the Mets, but so it goes. This offseason we might actually look at some Mets in this podcast that never were Mets, uh, or probably players that were uh, rumored to be Mets, uh, you know, or celebrate the offseason with offseason rumors and Mets that almost were, uh, whether offseason acquisitions or maybe even in-season trade deadline acquisitions that were rumored. But as the postseason wraps up, and uh, again, I was thinking about its darkness, and I just decided that I was just going to dive right in, and we're going to take a look at the Met tenure of and lengthy baseball career of the gambler himself, Kenny Rogers. Kenneth Scott Rogers was born in Savannah, Georgia, but grew up on a 15-acre strawberry farm in Dover, Florida. He, growing up, he thought he'd be a farmer, and his slight build and nondescript 
Little League high school career, primarily in the outfield, would have backed that up. However, a Texas Rangers scout saw the high schooler airmail some powerful throws from right field, both over the third baseman and over the catcher, on a fly, and told the disbelieving young man that he was destined to be a pitcher. That scout's vision prevailed in the latter rounds of the Rangers draft, as Kenny Rogers was drafted in the 39th round of the MLB draft in 1982, and he would endure seven long and not always successful minor league seasons before he'd make his Major League Baseball debut. In fact, Rogers often joked that the only reason he wasn't released during his first two years in professional ball was because I brought the coach's strawberries from my father's farm. And if he was being self-effacing, well, uh, it doesn't really sound like Kenny Rogers, who could be a cantankerous sort, both with his front office and coaches and his teammates. Uh, but regardless, it was an unusual beginning to a career that would last 20 years, would accrue more than 50 war, according to baseball reference, and would include one of the 23, I believe 23 to date, perfect games in MLB history. But between 1982 and 1988, Rogers did not get higher than Double A and was not exactly not exactly being held back or excelling. He went 19 and 39 with a 4.20 ERA uh, and a WHIP that was close to 1.4 over those seven minor league seasons. By his own admission, uh, he said he found the minor leagues hard and discouraging. Uh, twice I told the Rangers to release me so I could go ahead and get a real life. One of Rogers' minor league coaches described him as, quote, dumb and durable. And, well, there's always a place for durable lefties in Major League Baseball, isn't there? And eventually, for Kenny Rogers, there was. Rogers made his Major League Baseball debut in on April 6th of 1989 in Game 2 of the season for the Rangers. And his debut had a vaguely loogie-ish vibe as he came in to face one batter who he walked. In his third career appearance, however, uh, Rogers would vulture his first Major League Baseball win. Uh, I mean, he actually did earn it to an extent. He came in with the Rangers down 2-1 in the top of the ninth, a man on second base and nobody out. Uh, He promptly did one of the things that he truly excelled at in his baseball career, uh, picking a runner off base, uh, this time picking the runner off second, and then setting the next two batters down in order, and then in the bottom of the ninth when Ruben Sierra hit a two-run walk-off home run off of then-Toronto closer Tom Henke, Rogers got the first of what would be 219 career regular season wins. From 1989 to 1992, Rogers was a regular in the Rangers' pen. He actually recorded more saves over those, those years than he received starts. Uh, he had 15 saves all in his second season. Uh, he got nine starts uh, spread across two of those years. Uh, one year, he even led the league in appearances, uh, pitching in 81 games in 1992, when he averaged less than an inning per appearance. Spurred on by his chronic displeasure at his salary and his arbitration defeats, and presumably a desire for more glory and opportunity to pitch, Rogers began uh, clashing with his front office uh, by, again, not just complaining about salary, but lobbying for a starting job, which he did for a couple of years, finally getting his opportunity in 1993 when he joined the Rangers rotation. 
He'd struggle early as a starter, but ultimately turned in a very Kenny-like season, uh, middling to good, uh, actually edging closer to good, I guess, 16-10 and 10 record, NERA over 4, ERA plus of 102, so pretty much league average. Uh, but that durable tag held as he hurled 210 innings in his first season as a starter. The following season, 1994, just a few weeks before the strike and subsequently labor dispute would ultimately end the 94 season without playoffs in a World Series, Rogers achieved baseball immortality, uh, hurling what at the time was the 12th perfect game in Major League history. On July 28th of 1994, Rogers took the field at home at the ballpark in Arlington against the Angels and went 27 up, 27 down, even struck out eight, though he was not renowned as a strikeout pitcher, uh, over a crisp and efficient 98 pitches. Uh, according to you know reports of the game, there are very few dangerous moments. Uh, Rogers is in pretty close to complete control. Uh, Rex Hudler did lead off the top of the ninth with a line drive that was kind of slicing away to right center, but then rookie Rusty Greer made, an inc- made a nice diving catch to preserve what two outs later would be a perfect game. Rogers' glory was cut short by the strike, but he followed up in 1995 with what was his best season to date, that point he went 17 and 7 with a 3.38 ERA in his walk year. As a free agent, Rogers hoped to stay in Texas initially, but was again disappointed with the offers he was receiving from Rangers upper management when Big Stein and the Yankees swooped in with a four-year, $20 million offer for the gambler. The Yankees-Rogers marriage was odd from the start. Uh, he did not fit in, but he kind of wound up being a, almost a good luck charm in that Yankees 96 World Championship run, at least in the playoffs. While an overstated trope probably in New York sports, uh, Rogers was perhaps one of those players who was just not meant to be a fit in New York. Uh, he clashed with pitching coach Mel Stottlemyre and manager Joe Torre, who in one of his books called Rogers one of the most difficult players I ever managed. Uh, he struggled with injuries, which he, uh, as apparently was a Rogers custom, did not really report uh, to his coaches or trainers, um, as well as later in the season reportedly struggled from depression, and his performance was poor, which, you know, George Steinbrenner was always very patient with his underachieving free agents. But at any rate... Uh, Rogers was 10 and 8 with an ERA that was over 5 late in the season, uh, but he had a couple of strong starts down the stretch and was included in the Yankees' postseason rotation. And you can say that you you could say that turned out to be a poor choice, except somewhat famously, while Rogers was awful in each start, uh, over three games, one in each round of the playoffs, he pitched eight innings and surrendered 11 runs, but the Yankees wound up rallying and winning each game. Uh, most notably the crucial Game 4 of the 96 World Series when Rodgers staked the Braves to a 5-0 lead through two, uh, but the Yankees rallied and won in extra innings to not up the World Series. After another rocky 1997 with the Yankees, the team was desperate to unload him, which they were able to do 
to Billy Bean, uh, to the where he was sent to the Oakland A's in exchange for Scott Brocious. Brocious, of course, flourished with the Yankees and became a bit of an unlikely star in their '98 championship run. Uh, but Rogers flourished in Oakland out of the New York spotlight. Uh, 1998, he went 16 and 8 with a 3.17 ERA, over 238 and two thirds innings. Far and away the best season of his career, uh, at least according to advanced metrics, uh, 7.5 B WAR, according to Baseball Reference. Seemed like a perfect mix for a contract, uh, contact-oriented, controlled pitcher. Uh, big ballpark, ample foul territory. Good team, good offense behind him. Those late 90s A's teams were kind of perennial playoff teams, or at least they were building one. Um, but Rogers came back down to earth, or at least to his kind of more standard performance in 1999. Uh, he was 5-3 and three with a 4.30 ERA in midseason. The A's were in a pennant race, but Rogers was already disgruntled. Uh, the A's had made it pretty clear they would not, you know, be re-signing him as in the final year of a contract. According to general manager Billy Bean, he was disgruntled, wanted out, and had become persona non grata and a clubhouse problem. So despite the A's being in the hunt for a playoff spot, uh, as the trade deadline approached, uh, Rodgers was traded to another team that was fighting for a playoff spot in 1999 and could use some help in their rotation, our New York Mets. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As Rogers came to Flushing on July 23rd, in exchange for minor leaguers Terrence Long and Leo Vasquez. And here we get to what I guess is the slightly controversial part of the podcast, where which is, well, well, I wouldn't say he does. He deserves Carlos Beltran treatment. Uh, I do think Kenny Rogers gets a slightly unfair uh, deal from Mets fans. Sure, he did not endear himself to his teammates pretty much immediately, as he did at almost every stop. He was aloof from his teammates from the beginning and arrived in New York with a hamstring industry and two separate explanations of how that injury happened. Uh, Perhaps fortunately for the Mets, his new manager, Bobby Valentine, knew him well from Texas and just said, you know, Kenny, he always says he's fine. But let's face it, it took that team 163 games to qualify for the playoffs, and Kenny Rogers fortified a pitching staff that was... Al Leiter and Rick Reed and 
a lot of spit and glue at the end. Rogers, in fact, fit right in with Masato Yoshi and Oral Hershiser as, you know, non-glamorous, serviceable veteran back-end pitchers for a team that really thrived on its offense and its bullpen. And injury or not, that he would not explain how he received, uh, Rogers did make 12 starts down the stretch for the Mets, um, including some gems. He started with a flourish on July 28th. His first start as a Met was against the Pittsburgh Pirates, where he surrendered only one hit over six innings in leading the Mets to a 9-2 victory over Pittsburgh. On August 15th, he threw a pretty quintessentially Kenny Rogers complete game, going nine innings, allowing 12 hits and five runs, walking none, and striking out eight in a 12-5 victory over the Giants in San Francisco. Then after after a rough short start against the Cardinals in at home, uh, Rogers went on probably the best three-game stretch of his brief Mets career. Uh, Three starts, August 25th, August 31st, and September 6th. The first two against the Houston Astros, the third against the Giants. Rodgers would go eight and a third scoreless against Houston in the first start. Uh, Seven innings, allowing only two runs against Houston in the rematch in Houston, in which he took a no decision in a Mets loss. Then on September 6th, he threw his second complete game and his only shutout as a Met at home against the Giants, shutting out the potent Bonds and Jeff Kent-led offense uh, on a four hits, walking one and striking out nine. The win moved the Mets to 84-54. and 54. Uh, They were two and a half games behind the Braves on that date, September 6th, after play, and looked like the only drama would be whether they or the Braves would win the division and who would win the wild card. Rodgers and the Mets would struggle in September, though, and soon the wild card itself would be in question, um, which made Rodgers' last start in the regular season as a Met perhaps his most important, as the Mets went into the weekend series at home against the Pirates, pretty much in need of a sweep to have any hope of the playoffs. Rodgers would hold the Pirates scoreless through seven. The Mets had a 2-0 lead, uh, but Rodgers and then... Turk Wendell would surrender the lead in the 8th, both runs tied to Rogers, allowing the Pirates to tie the game. It was high drama at Shea that night, as the Mets were one game behind the Astros and the Reds, who were tied for the National League Central lead, and then the other then would be the wild card, a game ahead of the Mets. Uh, so a lot of scoreboard watching and a must-win game uh, that the Mets pulled out in the bottom of the 11th when Robin Ventura did what he did in 1999 and always came through with the bases loaded with a game-winning single in the bottom of the 11th. The Mets, of course, would go on to win that sweep that series in very dramatic fashion and earn their way to a game 163 against the Reds and from thence into the playoffs. Of course, good for the franchise and good for us and a very memorable playoffs, but probably pretty bad for Kenny Rogers quote-unquote legacy as a Met, for he had a very poor 1999 playoff. After Al Leiter had to start Game 163 to get the Mets into the playoffs, Masato Yoshi started Game 1 against the Diamondbacks against Randy Johnson. Somehow, with that pitching matchup, the Mets won Game 1 in Arizona, giving them a nice advantage in the series, which Rodgers promptly helped them squander. 
as the lefty surrendered four runs in four and a third innings as the Mets lost seven to one, sending the series back to Shea for two exciting games where Rick Reed and company and then Todd Pratt, of course, famously were the big heroes helping send the Mets to the 99 NLCS against the Braves. The Mets lost Game 1 of that series pretty quietly, uh, with Greg Maddox out-dueling Masato Yoshi. Uh, they would match up again in Game 5, which was a much more pleasant game. Uh, but Game 2 of that series was actually, for me, one of the underrated killers, uh, as the Mets in their house of horrors, that is Turner Field, and let's face it, really, just the city of Atlanta still, uh, took a 2 nothing lead into the fifth inning, and Rogers seemed like he was dealing. Rogers did what he did, surrendering singles in the first and second innings and promptly picking off uh, Gerald Williams and Andrew Jones, scattering hits and walks, and hold it, keep helping the Mets preserve that 2 nothing lead into the fifth. I think in modern baseball, especially a team with uh, such a strong bullpen as the Mets had that year, uh, perhaps Rogers doesn't get that third turn through the lineup, but uh, unfortunately he did, and in the bottom of the sixth, it all evaporated in a brutal hurry uh, after Brett Boone led off the inning with a ground out, Chipper Jones walked, Brian Jordan homered, Andrew Jones singled, and Eddie Bleepin Perez homered to give the Bra- put the Braves ahead 4-2. to two and they would not quite recover. They'd score a run in the eighth on an Alfonso double, but John Rocker would snuff out that rally, John Smoltz would close out the game, and the Mets would go into a 2 nothing hole. Of course, they would then fall to a 3 nothing hole that they did their utmost to crawl out of. After a key Game 4 single from John Olerud uh, to help the Mets avoid the sweep, there was the immortal Grand Slam single game, 15 innings, uh, with the Mets taking a 4-3 lead to come back from 3 nothing to 3-2 and force the series back to Atlanta, where ultimately in the box score, Rodgers would lose his second, record his second loss of the series and his third of the playoffs in a series where the Mets only, in a, in a playoffs where the Mets lost five games total. Three of them were recorded to Rodgers. So I see where uh, the poor feelings come from. And I'm not saying they're not somewhat warranted, but honestly, Game 6 was lost more than anything, I think, by Al Leiter, a uh, very beloved, very popular for good reason, not being able to get out of the first inning or even record an out, if I recall correctly. Ooh, yeah, six batters faced, no innings pitched. Uh, not a good start for Al. Uh, set up Pat Mahomes. Uh, Ever-present 1999 heroics keeping the Mets in the game, but while the bullpen was a strength, it really taxed uh, the bullpen too much uh, as the Mets made dramatic comeback in that game from a deep hole uh, punctuated by Mike Piazza's home run against John Smoltz in the seventh. Um, after the Mets rallied from 5 nothing and 7-3 deficits, uh, they actually poked ahead in the eighth and the tenth innings. So again, I believe... Al Leiter should bear a great brunt of the uh, disappointment in Game 6, but I don't think enough people hold to task John Franco and Armando Benitez, each of whom had an opportunity to close out the game, or in Franco's case, keep the Mets ahead. John Franco, who, God help me if they ever retire that man's number, 
like the fifth best closer in our franchise's history. He's as much of a mascot for this franchise as Mr. Met. The love that he uh, and Fra- and Billy Wagner too, but that's a whole other topic. Received from Met fans is somewhat fascinating to me, and not very warranted. But uh, Franco in the eighth let the Braves tie the tie the score back up at eight, and then after the Mets went ahead nine eight in the tenth, uh, Benitez could not shut the door, as unfortunately was too often the case in big Met games. All of which is to say, Kenny Rogers really should not have had to be out there. Although when they put him out there in the 11th, it was hard not to feel like the game was probably going to be over soon. And it was. Honestly, I kind of wish they just pushed, pitched Rick Reed that inning. I don't even know if he was in the building. He might have been home or you know, considered the only pitcher not eligible since he was supposed to start a potential game seven. But, you know... Would have put him out there if I, in, in hindsight, and just maybe then Bobby Valentine could have invented the bullpen game for Game 7 of the 99 NLCS that never was. At any rate, it just seemed like bad matchups for Kenny Rogers, who promptly surrendered a leadoff double to Gerald Williams, which really right there, I thought the game was over uh, after Brett Boone's sacrifice, a pair of intentional walks loaded the bases, and of course, much like people get extra angry over a called third strike ending a series, people get extra angry over a base on balls ending a series, but... I don't think Kenny Rogers was getting through Andrew Jones if he threw something over the plate. Again, not to exonerate Kenny Rogers, he could have surprised me and come through, but I was honestly not expecting it in that situation. Uh, But it certainly did tarnish uh, his brief Mets tenure. Too bad he wasn't in the clubhouse playing cards with Ricky and Bobby Bo. Maybe, uh... Maybe Rick Reed would have pitched us out of it, and this would have a different ending, but it did not. It was far from the end of Rogers' baseball career, though. In the offseason, he went back home to Texas, signing a three-year, $22.5 million deal. From 2000 to 2002, he'd alternate good and bad seasons, uh, and in his good years, uh, where he pitched over 200 innings, he won the gold glove in 2000 and 2002, the first two of five that he would win in his career. Then, perhaps implausibly, Rogers went on perhaps the best stretch of his career from ages 39 to 41, uh, two seasons in Texas and then a year 41 season in Detroit. He would make over 30 starts um, all three of those seasons, going 18 and 9 in 20. 2004, making his first ever All-Star team. He'd actually make the All-Star team all three of those seasons. The uh, 18-9 and uh, did come with a 4.76 ERA. Then in 2005 and 2006, he would go 14-8 and and 17-8 and with ERAs under four. He would actually receive Cy Young votes uh, at age 41 in 2006, uh, placing fifth in the Cy Young voting, the only time he ever placed... And after a career of postseason struggles, mostly with the New York teams, Rogers finally got the chance to flourish in the 2006 postseason. He made three starts and did not surrender an earned run. Uh, the first in the ALDS must have been very sweet for him against the New York Yankees. Uh, he went seven and two-thirds innings, no runs, eight strikeouts. 
Rodgers would essentially repeat that performance in Game 3 of a four-game Tigers sweep of the A's in the ALCS, again winning against a former team who he had some strife with and some contention uh, with another seven and a third scoreless innings of two-hit ball. He was even better in Game 2 of the World Series, winning the only game the Tigers would win in that series, uh, evening the series up at one with an eight-inning two-hit shutout eight innings of two-hit shutout ball. Of course, that performance was slightly marred as uh, it was noticed on TV that Rogers seemed to have a dark smudge on his hand that looked like it could have been pine tar, uh, which led to a lot of speculation about whether or not Rogers was scuffing in that postseason uh, and somewhat tarnished his 23 consecutive scoreless innings over that playoff. Age finally caught up to Rodgers over the last couple of seasons. Uh, at age 42, he missed most of the year in 2007 uh, due to surgery to remove a blood clot in his left shoulder. Uh, in 2008, he stayed healthy but struggled badly in the second half of the season, finishing the year 9-13 and with a 5.70 ERA and a whip over 1.6. Rodgers never formally retired from baseball, but was not offered a contract after that season at age 43, and simply kind of stopped playing. Uh, he served periodically as a special pitching instructor in Detroit and in Texas, uh, and he was inducted into the Rangers Hall of Fame on August 6, 2011, and he's, at least as of 2016, or the last information I could find, he was still living in Texas in a suburb of Dallas. For his career, Rodgers went 219 and 156 as a one-loss record, a 4.27 career ERA. Uh, again, he was good for 50.5 war, according to baseball reference, uh, large part thanks to his durability and ability to eight innings, throwing 3,302 and two-thirds innings over his major league career. Uh, his whip was just over 1.4, 1.403. For his third of a season with the Mets, Rogers was 5-1 and one with a 4.03 ERA. Uh, again, two complete games, one shutout, 76 innings, 28 walks, 58 strikeouts, 4.24 FIP, uh, a little better than league average, one 111 ERA+. plus. Good for 1.2 war, according to baseball reference. Uh, not bad. Again, very useful for a team that made the playoffs by one bonus game, uh, but definitely overshadowed by its disappointing playoff performance and its very unfortunate denouement. For that, we will never forget the name Kenny Rogers in Flushing, Queens, and he will remain unformidable. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on all of your socials, and look for this and all of our Amazing Pods wherever you get your podcasts. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets.